Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds are European champions. Hey Borussia Dortmund fans, welcome to Believe in Borussia, your Borussia Dortmund podcast. My name is Thilo, welcome to episode number 33. What a crazy week it has been. I mean, first you get hammered, then you get elevated, now kind of back down to earth. Definitely a very eventsome couple of days and we will talk about it all. We have to talk about the thrashing and Marco Rose's part in that and then of course the transfer shakeup that sends Niklas Süle this summer to the Ruhr. What a turn of events it was right there. But before we do that, if you know the transfer market and unexpected things better like no one else, then you should probably check out Bet Online to get your leg up and earn a little money with it because head to Bet Online right now to use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just use promo code BLEAV BELIEF to get you started. So let's start with the not so fun things first. And that's clearly this weekend's game. Um to me the big takeaway and there were lots of crappy things is Marco Rose can't prepare the team. Every time there's something resembling a break or a longer period to get them ready, Instead of coming out prepared, determined, driven, and focused, the club is super sluggish. Just remember the first game back after um, the Christmas break against Frankfurt. And the thing is, I knew it. I wasn't even surprised. Normally, when you go into the winter break, especially if you come of a run of bad games, you think like, great, great break at the right time, you know, lick some wounds, get people back. Just refocus, reshape things, and then come back with the vengeance. And for some reason, I never had the feeling we would. I know people were like, all right, we'll just start fresh over. But instead of starting fresh, it was just more of the same old. And we just got extremely lucky, thanks to a much improved second half, that that game wasn't lost, as it probably should have. Um, and that's very, very telling. And now this is even worse because the winter break wasn't even two weeks. He got two weeks with the team to prepare for Leverkusen. That's an eternity in today's global football. Two weeks. That's so much time to, you know, prep knowledge-wise and really work on the details that in two or three days you can't really work on physically to get everybody you know, shaped up and healed and whatnot. I mean, there was talks about Donny Marlon really, you know, taking a step up because his physical shape wasn't the best when he came. And then, of course, emotionally, get them really fired up, really focused, work on all the things that you need to work on to, you know, push their buttons, whatnot, that they come out firing in the gates. And then what do we get? An absolute shit show. It was shambolic. It was unbelievable they looked like they, they're coming of a i don't know a six game in two weeks spree and didn't even know what day or game or match it was anymore 
And that's unacceptable. It was flat. They were slow to react. And that usually means either you have no focus or you no motivation or both. And that's things that really falls within the coach. Of course, it also falls within players. Players are professionals. They get paid millions of dollars or euros in that case to be prepared, to be their best selves, take care of themselves physically and mentally. But again, what's a coach for if not to get your team set up for success and make them really hot? What are the two things have to give? Like there has to be something. If an Arminia Bielefeld or Greuther Fürth gets two weeks to prepare for a game, you can be pretty sure that you will see a game plan and you will see it from minute one to 90 plus. They will work on it. When, if, even if it doesn't go their way, even if they fall behind, they will continue to put in a shift and that comes down to coaching. And if that's not there, then that also comes down to a lack of coaching in my mind. And it has to get fixed. There were so many red flags again. Meunier, he only, what, trained one day? He only came back on Thursday before the game? If he's not fit, don't play him. Okay, I understand there's also some hesitations to play a guy like Wolf, but what's the point in bringing on people that are not equipped or fit enough to play it versus people that might be, even though they're probably a notch or two below in terms of skill or whatever, but then work on that for two weeks. Get them prepared so they don't look so bad. And, I don't know, Bench, Royce, Rafa, Hazard, they were absolute no-shows. Whoever doesn't show up, they need to get benched or challenged or both or something. There needs to be a reaction. Um, Marlon obviously also had a bad game, but I would cut him some slack because of his position. Unlike the others, he was pretty much placed as a nine in between the center backs and you know, where is he going to go from there? He's not an Erling Haaland. He can't just out-muscle everyone or um, has that kind of height to take balls down and is this, like, wall player. So that's definitely something that's really tough. But Royce could have had a lot of touches. Hazard, everybody basically falling back. You saw with Brandt, who had actually a decent game. I'm, you know, usually quite critical with him on here on the podcast, but I think he was probably the best player on the pitch he was involved he tried to get other players involved he tried to uh, get shots on goal just showed effort and intensity in a sense but if Julian Brandt is our spiritus rector on the pitch then then we're in trouble Mukuku and Tinges did more in 25 minutes than the rest of the front line in the 75 minutes before and that is unacceptable All right, Gio came in. That was also a welcome sight for sore eyes, considering that he has been out for so long. And yeah, he basically missed the whole season so far. So that's great news on that front. But obviously, he is also way behind in terms of match fitness. And he will probably need a month or so just to become the impact player that we want him to be. So it's really mind boggling that we are still having these issues i mean it's kind of like the same problem under terzic in the beginning of his tenure the same problems that there were under favre the press conferences have gotten better they're more amusing 
Uh, there's more quips, but that's not enough, obviously. Without results, that's just hot air. And I'm not calling on Marco Rosa to get sacked or anything, but I just want the pressure to be cracked up. I need higher pressure on Rosa. And I want Rosa to put more pressure on the team. Now, I'm not privy to what's going on behind the scenes, but what's going on in front of the scenes and in the public eye is not enough for me. There's a lack of accountability and it is just unacceptable. I'm not seeing or hearing any personal consequences there. The criticism is always general. We need to do better. You can't allow this or that. Call it like you see it. I want a player to say, this was my fault, I need to do better and actually mean it. I want the coach, even though he obviously needs to protect his players, also call something out. I don't want him to throw the weakest link under the bus. But just to like, let's, you know, let's put in the work and carry on. That can't be it either. Again, outwards, there seems to be a lack of accountability and Usually where there's smoke, there's fire. So I think inwards, there's a problem with that too. Well, if you want to be unaccounted online or simply surf very safely, we got something for you. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting segue, you might think. But NordVPN is actually worth it. They really offer a great package. They have... Solutions for all your devices, all operating systems. They have fast speeds, tons of servers all over the world, next level encryption. So if you're online and you want to surf safe and undetected, you can use a great opportunity right now because you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code BLEAV. Again, that's BLEAV. To get up to 70% of your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. I mean, it's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So, check it out. So, let's talk about the fun stuff. Some much-needed good news came on Monday. And judging by the media echo, it was really great news. As... A very unexpected thing happened. Niklas Süle will not go to the Premier League or, I don't know, get a retirement contract or wherever he was supposed to go, Barcelona, Chelsea. He will actually join Borussia Dortmund in the summer of 2022. And it really still leaves me a little bit flabbergasted or speechless, as you can see. It's so weird to say it. Um, I don't think I've really wrapped my head around it fully. And the way it dropped into everybody's newsfeed was also quite interesting. It was definitely not something that was planned long ahead. Something must have slipped because it came really out of nowhere. And I don't know if it was um, the interview that his um, agent gave in the German media the Sunday before where he was also asked about his client Niklas Süle and his destinations and he became very very mum apparently when somebody brought up Borussia Dortmund um, so maybe that set off the dog sniffing around and some journalists started calling in for comment and who knows maybe it was just good Borussia Dortmund PR after 
disastrous outing on Sunday. But either way, there was no obligatory sign the contract photo or holding a shirt or anything. I'm pretty sure with the lack of prepared statements and communication, this came about very, very um, last minute. And whoever gave the push, um, thank you for that. It definitely filled our start to the week with um, yeah, some positive news there, uh, despite it coming way out of left field. Um, I've been discussing this all Monday with uh, fellow fans and people in the industry. And yeah, obviously this podcast is there to talk about it too. So let's pick it apart from yeah, different angles, the league, the club, the player. From a bird's or league view, I think it's nothing less than a paradigm shift. This isn't just some puny transfer. Um, this isn't, I don't know, Rode or whoever, some squad player that really hadn't much business to be on the Bayern team in the first place. Um, this is their starting senior center back. And up until now, Bayern Munich has never let a starter go to a domestic competitor. Till Monday, that was just the way it was in Germany. Bayern had the last word on any transfers within Germany. They could either always outbid the competition easily and guarantee titles. And with that, they were always locked in on any player that wanted to play in the Bundesliga because they could, and still in theory, on hard facts can offer the best combination. And if that didn't work, then they probably also, you know, have some means to uh, be a little less friendly about it and just threaten to blacklist players, um, threaten their agents. I mean, Bayern has, you know, a big um, machinery behind them in terms of media and resources and so on and so forth. A lot of stakeholders there and people that want to be in the good graces of the people that decide over there and are willing to work with them to get behind what they want. I'm going to make them an offer they can't refuse. Yeah, they did lose a player every now and then, if you consider Balak or Kroos or more recently Alaba, but it's very far and few in between. I think Bayern considers themselves a buying club, and which that really means is not that just spend money, which they usually don't, to be honest. They are more a paying club, really, which is they pay their players really well, but they don't go around and splash 250 millions on some 18-year-old kid from Brazil. What it really means is that they want to determine who plays where, when. This kind of power to have the last word and be in the driver's seat is really what that means. And... I think they were literally gobsmacked by the news. I mean, their president, Heiner, said as much. He was surprised and while, you know, um, he gave a pretty professional statement aside from a little jab, you could tell he did not see this coming. Now, I've heard plenty of people say, well, Bayern just didn't bid hard enough. They kind of didn't really want him in the first place. But I think they just didn't fathom that Anyone would want to turn down more money to play in Germany in a tougher role, in the role where you don't have a title guarantee. Well, until it happened. So in their mind, they actually did enough. 
the options that they saw were he either signs at the conditions that we set out, not the player, we, because we're in the driver's seat, or he wants more money, and then that's okay too, then he just has to go abroad. And then, you know, we'll be rid of him, but either way, we either keep the player great, or at the very least, we keep our wage structure in check. So there's basically a W in both scenarios and that's what you always want that's why you want to call the shots you want to be in control of your own destiny so losing a player to your national rival on a free transfer for allegedly them paying less money than you offered that is not being in control and that's why this is so unusual and that's why it's really threatening to buy and yes they can find a new center back and they will and they will find new talent they will find new players but up on this point they didn't even have to worry about anything happening in germany like we are talking about the club that confessed to buying players that didn't even need just to weaken the competition and be in a driver's sense and be in control it's not even about who they put on their field they just wanted to make also sure that other teams weren't able to field players that potentially could hurt them or maybe in one game did something quite outstanding scored a goal or a nice free kick or something like that and just for that they would buy them and then bench them and then it would be done like think Jan Schlaudraff Rao and you know some players in between and I want to like go too much into it but Hernes confessed to it And why would they do that? Because they want to control. They want that dominance. They want to be the makers of their own destiny. They have the final say. And that's what changed here. And that's why it's so significant. Bayern Munich now doesn't only have to worry about Real Madrid or Chelsea or whoever else is praying and looking at some of their players. They now have to put the foot down again in their own backyard. Yes, Borussia Dortmund probably is paying Zule less. And that's significance in itself. But the real message also is Dortmund still pays a lot. It's a lot more than we could offer 10 years ago. It's competitive now. When Bayern came and offered Lewandowski more money, they probably didn't even know what he was earning and they could still just promise him like, look, you probably will pay you five times what you make right now. And it wouldn't even scratch the top of their wage bill at that point. And they knew it. But now, I mean, yes, they offer maybe a million or two more. But we're talking about maybe 10, 15%, not 50% or 200%. And that's a testament to the growth that the club has taken under Aki Watzke. I mean, just look at the payroll. The um, first championship team, 2011, the payroll was, I think, 45 million roundabout. Um, euros and that includes all the staff second team whatnot that was it um in the last uh statement i think personal costs were around about or pre-corona they were like 210 215 million so that's a huge increase and that offers new opportunities so dortmund has improved their hard facts significantly while offering also some intangible things that Zülle was obviously very, very interested in. And the thing is, every club, Bayern Munich, but even, I don't know, PSG or Man City, these money cheat codes, they all, at the end of the day, have a limit. 
and it's not necessarily a bank account, but they only have 11 spots for starting players and they can only allow to have a few stars. Yes, they can all pay them a million, but at the end of the day, you only can dedicate so much time and attention and whatnot to so many players. So there will always be an opportunity to seek out those who feel stuck on a granted very, very high level, but kind of feel that they're hitting a glass ceiling there within their own club and they want more. And then you can come, you offer something competitive and then you want up it on the other end. Make him the man. Sure, Niklas Süle is not Kimmich or Müller to Bayern, but he is still the 26-year-old starting senior centre-back for Bayern and for the German national team. He's not some benchmark player. And that just hasn't happened ever. Now, who's to say from now on that Borussia Dortmund also couldn't make a move on Serge Gnabry? Apparently a Borussia Dortmund fan. Um, or maybe, I don't know, let's say Goretzka, you know, a child of the Ruhr area. Um, of course, the stars have to align there. The timing has to be right. The player has to want, you know, to make a change. There needs to be a need on the club side, like we do right now, very obviously with our defensive woes. And then the Bayern situation, as in maybe there's another competitor or they brought in a new player or a new coach that, you know, doesn't value a certain player anymore the way he thinks he needs to be valued, all these kind of things. But it just became a whole lot more possible or reasonable. And that just wasn't the case even a week ago. Nobody would ever have thought that this would be possible. So that's what I would call a paradigm shift. Now, what really comes of it remains to be seen, obviously. Yes, he had injuries, pretty severe injuries, but... Yeah, I mean, Erling Haaland has injuries all the time now, too. When's the last time he actually played more than, what, two months, three months in a row? Don't really remember. But nobody would ever say, oh, let's not pay Haaland or make everything possible to make him stay just because he's injured. And that guy is 21. He shouldn't be injured at all at that age, to be fair. I'm just saying there is a certain risk that you always have to take with athletes when it comes to injuries. And... There's also question marks regarding his fitness. But at the same time, even with his maybe questionable fitness, at least that's what Bayern made it seem um, to be the problem with him, that they were questioning his dedication and fitness and whatsoever, he has still better stats than Manuel Kanji or Mats Hummels in most of the important stats when it comes to area threats and clearances and so on and so forth. He brings in a huge upgrade in the air think about our set pieces defending it's been atrocious bringing in the best air clearance guy in the league um yeah that is an upgrade that is a huge improvement and yes i mean he had an acl tear and whatnot but still you just gotta pull the trigger here as a club i mean if you'd not do it here, then I wonder when. If you can get, as I said, the senior starting center back of your biggest national rival, who at the moment is also ahead of you, by the way, um, on a free transfer when he's 26 years old and clearly wants to play for you more than he wants to stay, 
if we don't make that transfer happen, then I don't know what kind of transfer um, needs to happen because if adding the best center back of the currently best German team to a wobbly defense isn't a remedy, then, well, I guess nothing will help. Um, we just have to just get some aliens or something like that that have five legs and, I don't know, like 10 feet tall or something like that. It, you just have to do it. Seriously, there's no way around it. Anything else is completely ridiculous. And it's a great signal to the other players as well because it shows ambition. And it also ups the competition, which, you know, point taken in the beginning, there seems to be a lack of accountability and fight and vigor. And yeah, let's bring some of that in. And Honestly, I'm a little sad, but it's also kind of telling that Manuel Kanji apparently wants out. Um, he should be happy that he gets a support on this level. And it would be a great duo, I think, because if you combine Niklas Jules' air superiority with Manuel Kanji's ground game, in which he is actually better than Zula in terms of, like, I think clearances and ground tackles, if I recall correctly, then perfect i mean they both have speed they both can you know play good balls you should be excited and be willing to join so that also tells me manu might just want to leave period you know um i think it's yeah not even a question of zul necessarily if he really wants to go and get that premier league paycheck well then i think he was bound to leave either way and then i'd rather have a zula right now as a you know, centerpiece to build around in defense than having a kanji leave and just looking at Hummels and Zagadou. We obviously need another center back, but I think at the very least it also should help recruit because it shows we're willing to make some big moves and, you know, difficult times granted and, you know, just keep the other players also calm and, and, and dedicated. You know, they know like, okay, these lads know what they're doing. They have a plan even though it's not always showing. Earl, case in point. I mean, you know, he's obviously closely monitoring what's going on with this team. And I don't mean just, you know, in the stands, like uh, passionately supporting them, but I'm sure outside him and Raiola are, you know, weighing their options. Um, so seeing Zuzi doing some stellar business like that, I think, That really helps. And who knows? It might have even been a lot of Sebastian Kalen there. I mean, he should know that turning Bayern down might actually work out great for you in your career. So he could have really talked, you know, to Zula about that. Like, hey, you know, like, look, this is what I did and look how it turned out. And I'm really, really happy. And I think Zula obviously is looking for something more than just money. He wants recognition. He wants... Um, to be acknowledged, um, maybe even loved or celebrated and not just kind of like taken for granted and, you know, taken for granted when you put in really, really good work, but then getting, you know, shit on the moment your things are not going so well, you might have picked up an injury or not at the best fitness level. I think Dortmund fans would be more than happy to cut him much more slack if he really, you know, puts in a shift in the shirt. Well, it's probably the end of Zagadou, um, who is a really nice guy and, you know, always kind of fun, but it's just not enough. And I don't know whose fault it is. Um, the players, the coaches, 
um, whether it's a physical or mental coaching thing. But at the end of the day, the results, they just don't suffice. I mean, the game on Sunday was pretty telling and he has just had so many injuries and then also so many brain farts. It's been really painful. Like you can make a pretty depressing low light video of Zagadu hiccups on the pitch and it's tough but it's just more than you know single events just a couple of weeks ago when he played again for the second team it was just such an abysmal showing I mean and we're talking about the third league he gave away a penalty uh, interfered with a potential goal um, getting it ruled off side because he was in the way I think he almost had another penalty going against him in the first half that wasn't called. And he was just like overall sluggish and lackadaisical. And that's just not good enough for a guy that has that kind of like injury history. He should be burning on the pitch. He should be focused. You should have to hold him back. Like he lost so much time not playing due to different reasons. He should be literally on fire every time he steps on the pitch. And he's not. He's not locked in. He's still doing the same thing. He seems just to be happy to be just big and kind of like let players bounce off of him. But guess what? Smart players, if they realize, and most of them realize that, that they are not a physical match for him, they find ways around it. And he just seems always so surprised when somebody puts on a move. And again, it's just not what we need and it's just not producing the results because what we do need is consistency um, and consistency on a high level and that's just not coming from Zagadu so I don't even think it's a great choice as a squad player I think he probably really needs first team regular appearances I don't think he has earned those in the showings that he's given at Dortmund so Unfortunately, um, this might be the end for uh, Dan Axel Zagadu. Again, who's, I think, personally a really, really interesting guy. And I love, you know, usually seeing him with the team. But, you know, this is a result-driven industry and the results don't match what we need. So, um, to get out this sore mood again, let's... Think about a best-case scenario, somewhat realistic. Yeah, not like we have a billion dollars on the transfer market. So a realistic best-case scenario for me is that Erling Haaland stays another year because in the summer, it's still like kind of like COVID and um, the market's still sort of soft. And, you know, he also ha doesn't have a full season again under his belt due to several injuries and such. So I think staying another year... At Dortmund would probably do him well and then Manu hopefully stays because nobody's willing to fork over 30 million for him or we at least get another good center back I don't think we will get another good center back and a central defensive midfielder we're just not going to be that lucky which is why I said you know more or less realistic but let's not forget Ariemi so that has also constantly been going on and I'm sure everybody's read this whole like oh he already turned on Leipzig and really wants to come and you know in, in very regular frequency there's um, good signs popping out of the rumor mill so I'm pretty confident that this will also be done this summer 
And that's a competitive squad then. You know, a solid defense, an upgrade on our offense. Um, so when everything should come together nicely, um, a title window should also open. And hopefully the guys will take it to the next step. So when Earl does leave the summer after in this one, for a boatload of cash, there will be a new defense and a new spirit and a new conviction within the team. And that will make Jude Bellingham sign a long-time contract with Borussia Dortmund and make him Borussia Dortmund captain. So then we take that Earl money and we splash it on whatever holes we have, the central, the uh, defensive midfielder, um, fullbacks, wingers, whatever. Then with Adyemi and Mukuku up front, they will be ready to step up and fill in the void for Earl. And then maybe one, two cats from the second team will also be coming um, up and actually leaving uh, an impact. Maybe Koulibaly, Kamara, Pohlmann, somebody like that. So that might just be what Borussia Dortmund needs to take that next step and move into, say, Europe's, mm, I want to say, top 10 to 7. Uh, say right now it's like 10 to 15. Let's make it a regular 10 and below and make the league competitive. And what I mean is not competitive in the sense of, um, you know, running in behind a couple of points, but actually challenging Bayern regularly for the title. Like, seriously, you know what I mean. And actually winning it, that's part of it. Also winning it. Not every year and not 10 times in a row, but also not, you know, nine deputy titles, so to speak. Um Clearly, many things have to go right for that. But hey, they also just did with this transfer. So why shouldn't they go right again? So at the very last, there's obviously also the whole thing from the player perspective. And people were like, oh, and I don't know why they're all so keen on even within Dortmund. It might just be a protective mechanism to sort of, you know, build up a wall of skepticism to not be let down again but why would you assume that he would come to Borussia Dortmund to retire if you want to retire these days you go to the Middle East you go to China or at least if you want to make big money you go to Premier League or something like that I think he wants to be the man on the team and that's great I'm all here for it be the man on Borussia Dortmund show them what you got prove them wrong he already won the Champions League and he won what, four German championships with Bayern? He knows how it's done. It's not on his bucket list anymore. And he doesn't need to go away to chase the Champions League. He'd actually be a much bigger legend if he could lead a club like Borussia Dortmund now, the promised land, because that would show that he was probably a much more integral part than some of the other players, even at the other team at Bayern in that case, if he can do it again under tougher circumstances. But I think more importantly to him is he wants to become a world champion. So he needs to be the guy on the German national team. And for that, he needs to be on top of his game. There's a World Cup coming up in 2022. I don't know how to feel about that one from a German perspective. But then there's a home European championship in 2024 where Germany obviously wants to win. And then the World Cup in 2026 when he will be 30 years old. So last prime opportunity to become world champion as a starting center back. So he's going to spend all of these years most likely at Borussia Dortmund. So I'm really doubting that he'll just want to F around here and, you know, kick back. 
because that's not going to fly if you want to be also the man on the national team. So then, in addition to the national team thing, he has a huge chip on his shoulder. Um, you must have a pretty hard on Bayern to turn down a, probably a few million dollars and an automatic league title and go to your biggest domestic competitor. But you know what? It worked great with Mats Hummels, at least in the first stint with Borussia. When Mats Hummels came 2008 from Bayern, he was so pissed. He was so upset that they didn't give him the chance that he thought he deserved. So he just, you know, pretty much became the best German center back for the next couple of years. And up until 2012, 2013, was just on a different level. So let's hope Niklas Süle, you know, he did the move. Let's hope he puts his money where his mouth is and really follows through with that same intensity. You know, changes sometimes brings out the best uh, in players and in people in general. And yeah, I think he's already pretty damn good. So if he wants to step it up again, I'm all here for it. And honestly, personally, I'm not the biggest fan at the moment. I don't know him that well. I haven't followed him as uh, a person, as a human, that closely over the last couple of years. But I do really respect the balls he showed with this move. Him standing up to Bayern like that and not, you know, falling into this, like, narrative of, like, look, man, be grateful that we're giving you what we're giving you and then shut up and dribble type of thing. I love that. I love that kind of fight. I love that fire. We need more of that. And that doesn't sound like someone that's like, you know, coming here to be overweight and bum out. So, Niklas Süle, welcome to Borussia Dortmund. <sighs> well, thank you for tuning in again. That was quite an interesting week. Let's see if we can get back on the winning ways this Sunday against Union. A tough game away. But until next week, a black and yellow shout-out across America. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.